You're listening to the Screaming Pods Network. Welcome to the Sacred Collective, where we have honest conversation and no judgment. Discuss theology and current events in an open and thoughtful setting. Say things that you are too afraid to say in church. We welcome your beliefs. We welcome your ideas. Join us. Find us online at ScreamingPods.com, on iTunes at The Sacred Collective, on Twitter, Sacred underscore MN, and on Facebook, Sacred Collective Twin Cities. Welcome to The Sacred Collective, and we're going to do roll call, and then we have a special food treat. I know we did cricket last time. This is a beer-flavored jelly bean, but let's do roll call first. I'm Brian. I'm Keeling. I'm Caleb. I'm Joshua. I'm Angela. Welcome, welcome, if you're listening out there. So let's try this jelly bean and honestly tell me how you feel about it. I think it's going to be a little bit better than the cricket, so let's do this. I don't know, I like this. All right. I hate this idea. Yeah, I don't like it. It's not that bad. If you like beer, it's like a jelly bean beer. Mm. It's kind of yeah. licorice Yeah, like it black does licorice. kind of like, like black licorice. Mm, black licorice yeah. At first it tasted like butterscotch, and then I don't get, I agree. I don't get and the then it turned licorice. into black licorice. I agree. Oh. You know, it it licorice? tastes like a warm uh, Summit ESP to me. It that, reminds me of ESP jelly bean flavored beer. Because some of the weird flavors that I don't know in here is, well, sugar tapioca syrup. Modified food starch, yellow five, red forty, maltodextrin, gum arabic, beeswax. We're eating beeswax, carbonula wax, and confectioner's glaze. Ooh, sounds like something I totally want to put in my body all the time. I got this. I got this at that Minnesota's biggest candy store down in Jordan, and they just had like jellies. Biggest eyesore. It's, it's fun when you go there. You can just throw your money away. And so Amanda picked this up and was like, here, you should get this because it looks like beer. And I'm like, I like jelly beans, and I like you beer, like so I tried beer. it. The worst thing, they have a bacon section, so like a bacon candy <laughs> section. Mm, that's suspect. And I had bacon-flavored, like, mints. Oh, it literally tasted like bacon you were... Bacon mints? It tasted like you were... Pro- I've never licked ass, but it... Probably would taste like someone was licking that. Right. And it was ter- it was like you were licking a salt lick. It was terrible. Yeah. With okay. a little bit of bacon. Do, was it like mint flavored or is it, it No, it was bacon mint. flavored. It was like it was like okay. shaped in it looked like, like a mint. Okay. So you'd want your breath, breath to, to smell, smell like bacon? bacon? I love bacon, but I did not like that. And actually I was working at the college at the time and I had one of my student workers, he's like he, I, I gave it to a whole bunch of people because I bought a couple of them thinking, oh, I'm going to love this. And I was like, whoop! So I bought it. I brought it to school. Mm-hmm. And, like, ten of these students tried it. And all of them, like, threw, like, just went to the trash and, like, spit it up. This one guy was just eating them like they were, like, regular <laughs> breath mints. He's like, this is so good. I love bacon and I love mints. <laughs> <laughs> well, this terrible. is the perfect thing for you. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, here, Michael, you take them and you eat them. I think we found the demographic. Yeah. It's funny that you said that it reminded There's you of... There's the choice uh, demographic right there. It's funny I love bacon and I love mints. ...of looking ass because I actually read an article Whoa. about that and it's... Or about the, that uh, candy and it said it was originally developed as a ass flavor but then they remarketed it and rebranded it as bacon flavor. What? I'm just lying. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that makes no sense. <laughs> hmm, why like am I reading... Butt I, candy. I searched for I know, I'm like, candy. why are you researching butt <laughs> candy? <laughs> 
Okay, let's skip the Everyone, I crack myself. Please up. don't Google butt candy. <laughs> oh, I can't no. imagine. No, I can't even imagine what. And the UCC oh. is out. Yeah. <laughs> I know. The UCC. Sorry, UCC, if you're listening. This is not how we usually are. <laughs> My fault. We just say the f words we and can, stuff. We can edit that out. I don't think. No, I don't do that. <laughs> um, this is all natural. Yeah. Okay. So the question we're gonna discuss today is what <clears throat> theological proposition, idea, whatever, was most hurtful to us in our faith life, or or made us de- deconstruct. So, however in depth or not in depth you want to go, it's kind of mm-hmm. open ended. Mm-hmm. I like it. Thank you, Josh, Josh. for that question. Way to take pride. The thought-provoking question. It's very thought-provoking. And even if we have two, that's fine. I don't care. Who wants to take a stab at it first? Uh, I guess I'll try. I've been mulling it over, um, what, for a week or something? I don't know when you first brought it up. But um, I don't know. It's it's hard to choose for sure. Um, I think what maybe was, I don't know if it was most hurtful to me, so maybe, oh, excuse me. Mm, tastes like uh, jelly bean flavored beer. Oh, hey, that's uh, awesome. I think I'll go in the deconstruction direction. Um, when I started deconstructing, um, I would my kind of mantra or like the thing that I would always say to people and, and like to uh, people in my church and stuff was like, "What difference does it make whether or not Christ was real, even as a concept or as a story?" It's like his, the historicity of it doesn't affect what I take away from these stories at all. Like, if my best friend, if the person I trust most in the world told me a story that happened to them yesterday and I wasn't there, to me, it's still just a story. Like, it's, it doesn't affect me or what I take away from it, whether or not it actually happened, I guess. But it's that, I don't know if that makes any sense. But, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Makes total sense. And, so that, and that made me comfortable with being like, well, it doesn't really matter how factual this stuff is. And I, you know, I'm sure there was. I don't know, I'm not sure, but I'm sure that there's historical. Uh, you would like Marcus Bork. Marcus Bork would say that too. Oh, really? Stuff. Yeah. I don't know him. He's him He's, and him and N.T. Wright often write oh, books, books together, and they're on opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to their beliefs about who Jesus was, mm-hmm. the historical Jesus. That yeah, because that whole Bork was part of the Jesus seminar. Bork unfortunately passed away a number of years ago. But <clears throat> Borg was part of the Jesus seminar with like John Dominic Cross mm-hmm. and stuff, okay. where they're they're trying to get back to the most original version version of possible, um, which if that's possible, yeah. Or not. And it's interesting, but like I said, I don't think it, it doesn't affect my no. life whether or not no. it's real. I don't know. In my mind, anyway. yeah. And he would say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Cool. But I feel like a lot good of recommendation. Good yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of Christians, though, would, and now it really... It would mess with them a lot. Big time. Well, that's why a lot of people well, don't want to know how the Bible was made. Because mm. mm-hmm, it messes with your theories about who Jesus is, who God is, who who, who we've taught, been taught to believe. It messes with that. Mm-hmm. I went through a whole crisis of faith during my... During my... What? During my... When I was a, I was a Bible major in college, mm-hmm. and... There, there was this one class, and it, holy moly, I almost lost my faith because there were all these theologians that were questioning who Jesus was, who God was, who, you know, was all the 18th century theologians who were questioning, and the professor didn't necessarily help me to put my faith back together. She just deconstructed 
So it was difficult. Mm. It was very, very difficult. Interesting. Remember what class it was? This issues in biblical studies. Remember that class? Yep. Times. 400 level, right? Probably. I don't remember. Well, do you remember what some of the things she said? Like, what you start questioning, like, the theologians? Well, I think it was just the theologians and what they said and how they presented. You know, I'll be honest, I didn't read a lot of it. I just heard stuff. Truth comes out now all these years later. I know. 15 years ago, I didn't read the books in that class. They're going to take away your degree. They're going to take away my degree. It's terrible. (laughs) Missed out. Missed out. But actually, the thing that really messed with me was the concept of, like, there's the concept of being in the world, being of the world, being against the world, being out of the world, you know, all of those things. Growing up, you were just in the world. You were Mm. part of it. You interacted with it. That's who you were. That's what you did, whatever. But then I went, I went to to college and there were all these different concepts about who, how you should interact with the world. Should you really embrace everything? Should you not embrace everything? And there was like five five ways of looking at that and I can't remember what they were called but they were very fundamental to one of the, mm-hmm. one of the classes that I took and I was just like it, I struggled with that for a long long time and now I'm like I'm just going to be in the world and I'm going to love people and I'm going to accept them and figure out where they're at because that's what that's, that, that's what matters to me you know whether or not they're in the world or of the world or accept you know like whatever But so that was really difficult for me in college also because I wasn't conservative so mm. I didn't I didn't know what to do with that conservative mindset because it had never been presented to me as something like ever like I'd never even been exposed to it so I didn't know what to do with it mm. is part of it difficult that you grew up Lutheran and you went to a Baptist school yes very much Ooh, so it was more of a culture shock oh in yes some ways. so much so so much so I if I had known what culture shock was, I think I would have been able to deal with it better. But I was 19. I had no idea. I didn't know what it was. But I, I, it was very much culture shock in all sense of the word. Not just religion, in socioeconomic background, in beliefs about who everybody, like how we interact with the world, like all of those things. It just was very, very difficult for me to try to figure out how to be a part of that world because mm-hmm. I wasn't a part of it. I didn't know how to interact with it. Was that before or after your uh, Billy Graham crusade first ultra call? That was after, actually. Was it? Okay. It was after. Interesting. Yeah. Well, probably, yeah, about three, four years afterwards. Okay. That was the that was the only exposure to that kind of concept that mm-hmm. I had growing up. Interesting. Was that crusade thing, so. So, Yeah. <clears throat> Lots of losses of faith over the course of, you know, two Bible degrees and an MDiv and, you know, like, only not two Bible degrees, one Bible degree and an MDiv, you, you know. Have to examine things. You have to examine things. So. Uh, I guess I can go. I have two that kind of did, um, sent me on a spiral in a good way. It sent me on more of a deconstruction path um, and I'll try to make it quick uh, the first one and I've brought it up on the podcast before or at the collective I should say but the first one was all kind of like how I deconstructed my belief in hell it's because even when I was a kid hearing preachers from the pulpit whether from my church or like Bible camps or 
we had in our tradition youth convention over MEA all the time, and all these people saying, well, if you don't believe in Jesus, then you're going to go to hell. And you would hear at one end of their mouth talking about love <laughs> and accepting people and that Jesus died and loves everyone, and then 20 minutes, half hour later, they would say, but, there's that but again, mm -hmm. but you need to believe in Jesus and say this prayer, because if you don't, mm -hmm. then you're going to spend eternity in hell. And even I can go back now, and if I'm just really honest with myself, that never sat well with me, ever, mm -hmm. like in my mind, because that would be like, that doesn't make sense. You have a God that says, I love you unconditionally no matter what, but then there's a but. It'd be like my parents saying, well, I love you, and I would do anything for you, but I wouldn't do this, 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 or mm -hmm. this. Well, I think any kid would say, well, then you don't love me unconditionally if you put conditions. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one thing that always, even to this day, you know, being as an adult and kind of walking out of the tradition that I am. And I would say I, I'm a Christian. I like the phrase more mystical agnostic because really at the end of the day, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody really knows. And I think that's safe to say is I, I don't know. I hope there, there is a God. I believe there is a God. I don't know if there is or not, but let's just go with it. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was the one big one, and I think the other one that really started making me deconstruct was the whole GLBTQ um, stuff in the church, because growing up, I didn't know anybody who was gay. You didn't know that you knew anybody who was gay. Yeah, yeah. I was. Well, yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, that's a, it's true. That is very true. People are, yeah. Right, right. No, it's true. Or, or if people, well, and in the tradition I grew up in, you would hide it. And like mm -hmm. in most evangelical churches that most of us grew up in, except for two at this table, like a lot of times you would hide it. Maybe even in other Protestant churches you would hide it. Maybe it's more mm -hmm. open to come out now even in Protestant churches, but maybe even in Catholic or or Lutheran, you, you couldn't, you know, even back in the 70s, 80s, or even 90s, you wouldn't come out if you were gay. It was just so, so terrible. And... I think when I found out from my grandmother, who was such a zealot for, and I mean that in, in a good and bad way, because mm -hmm. she was super on fire for God, and I always, I, I respect, I, no, she was, and like she always prayed, and you could always, you know, I would knock on her door at nine at night, and she would pray with me, or, you know, she always cared about me, um, but I found out that her brother-in-law, so like her sis, her older sister's husband, was gay, but back then, you couldn't come out of the closet. Okay. And so she, well, what happened is her sister, um, Margie, married this guy, um, what is his name? Henry. So married Henry, knowing that he was gay, and he knew he was gay, they got married, they got married and had a family. And so it has kids, so like my mom's, and sorry if mom, if you ever listened to this, it would have been... So well, he would have been my great uncle and my mom's uncle. Um, but yeah, so he was married to my great aunt Marjorie. She knew that he was gay and they had a family anyway. He knew he was gay. But back then in like the late 40s, early 50s, I mean, that would have just been terrible. You could have lost your job. Yeah. Well, yeah. And she knew that he had like gay lovers, but she was okay with it. And she didn't think it was cheating because it wasn't with another woman. Interesting. So... That's so yeah, so that that but even hearing that story from when I was a little kid, 
always just made me be like, well, you love him, but you try to cure his gayness by what? And <laughs> yeah, it was it just didn't make sense the whole like gay conversion therapy. Like there yeah. was a, when I went to North Central, they had this guy. I'm not going to say his name, but he did the whole. He, he was like, I was gay. And then I was going to be transgendered, and I was, like, under the knife, and then God spoke to me, and now I'm a successful straight man, but I'm also this Christian DJ, and, <laughs> yeah, no, like, nothing this, spells success yeah, like and, Christian no, and so, successful <laughs> straight man is in, like, I, I'm six. I successfully slept with a woman, or like successful, I sleep like, with so many women. like he had a successful career, man. like successful. <laughs> well, no, and he showed pictures on the screen, like in the I chapel. Like, so many women. No, but he, he showed a picture. I only thought about the guy to get up and to get off. So. He showed a picture of yeah. like when he was a kid, and they like a slideshow. He showed a picture. Of, <laughs> he showed a picture from when he was a little kid. Wow, like he showed a picture when he was like dressing in drag, like yeah. almost transgender, and then a picture of like him and his wife and like his couple kids. And so you're like, oh, okay, cool. But then like, and I was like, as like an 18, 19 year old, still stuck in all that. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And then like, by the time I got mm-hmm. to col- at the end of college, and he came back, I'm like, this is some bullshit. Because I'm like, he's just trying to say, well, you can't be this, you can't be this, you can't be this. And really the only be a good Christian is to be married to, if you're a man, to a woman or vice versa and like have a family. And so like all that stuff started building up in me. And then what really kind of like hit it home for me was like my mom, who was raised, we were raised really strict AG. Her boss at her job is is gay. And her hus- uh, his husband is a son of a Lutheran minister, so they all go to church. They go to their, the, her, his husband's Polish ch- church. They've adopted two kids from China. They go to church. They do devotions every night. And my mom comes to me one day. This was years and years ago, and she's like, "I'm having a hard time understanding why they're wrong." And I'm like, "What do you mean that they're wrong?" And she's like, "Why being gay is wrong." So even these wow. things started turning in her head, and she hasn't come out and said, "I'm okay with it" or or anything that's like that. Self-reflection. Yeah, that's but that's but no. Cool. And I love my mom because my mom's super open minded. She's like, "I'm not going to go as far as you, and I I need some of these parameters, and I can mm. respect that." Mm-hmm. And she's my mom, so of course I'm going to respect her. But for even her to say that was just like she's questioning, like what, like yeah, is this okay? Like I've been told my whole life that this is wrong the lifestyle or whatever is wrong but these people are going to church they're raising their kids from and and the two sons that they adopted were brothers and they were they have severe disabilities so if those kids didn't get adopted they most likely would have been like dead or you know Mm. out in the street as orphans in china so now they have a better life here in america and my mom's like that's such a christ-like thing to do Mm. is to adopt it and then she was like but the kid and and I was like, see, mom, maybe that's God speaking to you, saying that that's not wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think that's stuck in her, and that's kind of led me down a road of being like, just because someone doesn't understand someone who's gay or transgender doesn't mean that it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I always say. I'm like, just because you don't understand something doesn't mean it's inherently wrong. It means you don't understand it, and that's fine because at least you're open yeah. and asking the question. And so, I, you know, I'm out. You know, I'm full. You know ally for GLBTQ and yeah and so but that that was a big thing that I was taught that I totally just threw out the window mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people need to throw that out the window because it's just some garbage yeah but the thing with your mom uh, just real quick 
uh, observation. I think it speaks to the fact that what kind of most effectively tears down prejudice is knowing people from that group that you're prejudiced towards, you know? That's exactly That's what true. I was going to say. Like, she she was prejudiced toward gay people because she didn't know a gay Yeah, person. right. And then when you see a gay person and realize that... It's a real person. Not, They're fabulous. Not, <laughs> that not all of them are wandering... That not all of them are wandering around in a... In a Assless chaps right. <laughs> being like, yes! Uh, uh. And I mean, there's nothing wrong. Let me wrong. have sex with your son. There's, yeah. <laughs> Whoa. There's Whoa. nothing wrong with assless chaps, yeah. yas, gays. I'm there for you, my queens. But um, people have this stereotype, stereotype yeah. of both gay men and women yeah, and bisexuals. Mm-hmm. Like, for sure. Um, because they don't know one personally. And, I mean, if they see this gay couple doing devotions, they adopted these children, which is amazing, and they're not... They don't fit into the box that they had. This is a gay male, mm-hmm. you know? And they're like, oh, wait, that's, but they're not doing this, mm-hmm. and they're not doing that, but mm-hmm. they're doing this, they're doing that, and that's that's the best for just taking that box and just mm-hmm. excluding Absolutely. it. Yeah. And I think that can be said for... Lots of other groups of people, blacks, yes. Muslims. Yes. Yep, yep. I've I've found when I've encountered people that are self-proclaimed, I'm not a racist, like you know those people. But, but then, yeah, they don't they don't run in circles where they interact, mm-hmm. and so not to excuse that type of you know language or beliefs, but as an explanation, mm-hmm. you can if you kind of try to put yourself in their world where all, like, there's people in my extended family where they only interact with other white, straight men. Mm-hmm. And so they see black men in the inner city and they just assume all these things. Yes. And so on the one hand, you can say, "Okay, I understand. I can understand why you hold those things because you don't have a broader experience." Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that you can't like have a thought experiment yourself and say, "What would it be like to be black in a country where my people have been oppressed nonstop for the last four hundred years?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And totally, so, yeah. it's a nuanced it's, thing. It's sure. like. Okay, I can understand why they think that, but that doesn't excuse it. Okay. And mm-hmm. but I think a lot of people don't take that next step. They say, "This is what I believe. This is what I think. I'm right." End of discussion. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a a lot of, and this can go political. It can go religious. It can go racial. Whatever. People don't want to be wrong, mm-hmm. and people don't know how to have intelligent mm-hmm. discussion. And so I think that different groups of people are becoming more and more and more polarized. And the more polarized they get, the less they want to talk. And so it's just this, like, negative feedback of, like, mm. and groups of people becoming more isolated. And you have this, like... Isn't that ironic? Like, in the just Asian tribal. Connection. I know. I mean, Asian connection, we're all retreating. Well, it's, you, like it's connecting to everyone who is exactly like, like you. Yeah. yeah. I, what, yeah. That happens here Social media made it worse, though, I mm-hmm. feel like. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to say, so today the Center for Prophetic Imagination in Minneapolis uh, 
Instagram this, and it says, Only a fool lets someone tell him who his enemy is. Never let your enemies choose your enemies for you. Mm. Nice. That's great. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Well, Mark Feinstein. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Hi, Mark. Good job, Mark. Um, Come on, Mark. We love you. <laughs> yeah. He's super busy, but he might. Um, I don't know. I think there's a couple things for me. For me, one thing that always bugged me, and I never could talk about it because it's dangerous, is original sin. Mm-hmm. Never made any sense to me. Mm-hmm. And I always thought it was just made up. Like, here's why you need us, motherfucker. Mm. You know? Because yeah. you're inherently evil. Mm-hmm. And there's something wrong with you that you didn't do. It's still your fault. The Eastern Church doesn't believe in original sin. No. I remember when I was taking a class at that. Uh, original sin basically starts at 500 <laughs> with Augustine. Basically starts there. Where that actually becomes a doctor. But yeah, because... Never mind. I'm going to... I don't have you a lot can leave of, out the name. I have, I, no, I have lots of opinions about Augustine, but that's beside the point. He was a... Yeah, he yeah, was... He was, he was Weirdo. Yeah. Well, he was a guy who was completely, uh, like, basically a boy about town who mm-hmm. fucked anything that moved, you know, who took in every pleasure of the flesh and was really enjoying himself. And then all of a sudden was like, I'm going to become a religious zealot. <laughs> and everything that I used to do is bad, and everything that I, I want to do is good. So, you know, so he, he created yeah, this it's, puritanical it's, tyranny mm, it's for so, so long. Tyranny. It's so amazing to me how much doctrine got created based on him when he didn't even know what to do with his sexuality and yep. so much of sexual like anything repression, like, repression comes, from comes from that mm. and it's like dude do, do you know what's going on I mean look you look at his life talk about but I'm not saying that he should like he turned from a bad person to a good person no 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 I actually think I, he turned from a normal person to, into a, a purity like a zealot yeah mm. someone but, who was just but the fact that our pissed. doctrines are so much Impacted by that, it's amazing to me. Wasn't Augustine also the one with going on with the original sin? If I'm not mistaken, he thought and he proposed that original sin came through the semen of the father, so that like oh. when the man was ejaculating, that original sin actually came in. That's through why the Jesus semen. being born of a virgin didn't have right. original sin. Yeah. Whoa! Yep. So uh, and so that's some messed up thinking. I think what brought that into some of his thinking was kind of the lifestyle he lived beforehand and he was like oh maybe i can you know bring this in there because i remember reading that and i was like hold on a second yeah like that makes no sense like so this guy when a guy ejaculates into this woman his semen goes in there and out of that semen there's sin in it what yeah did you two do CWC or did you guys do Humanities? Humanities. We had, remember we had to read Augustine for Humanities. I did, I did CWC. I did CWC too and I had but to read Augustine we had, too. We had to read it. So. We, we went on for a long time because you guys only had was it two it was, it was, What's CWC? It was a, uh, Christianity and World Culture, right? Western, Western, Western Civilization. Western Civilization. And then Humanities was a much more in-depth much longer. It's like a church course. history. Class. It was supposed to be two and a half years but they shortened it for us. Mm-hmm. So we only did it for a year and a half I think. Um, but it was ours was like a much more in depth. Mine got was more only like a semester, like a couple of semesters. Yeah, well, ours we had like special break, we had special breakout groups, and we had like yeah, it was much more involved. Speakers, yeah, humanities was like it was way more involved. Was like church history, arts, culture, literature, all together. So you like as you went through history, you did all those things oh, together. Okay. Yeah. Where as opposed to like doing church history and then doing. Art history and yeah. then doing literature, yeah, okay. so it, it you it got separate. You got kind of like much more how layered. everything fits together. Mm, I see. Okay, and it was like I wanted to do it because I wanted to get a liberal arts education, mm-hmm. and it was like we had great teachers at the time. Mm-hmm. I don't think Bethel has the same caliber teachers that 
we had, do you remember um, uh, David, the philosophy professor, doing the... Williams? Walk, Williams doing the walkthrough of Plato's cave. Yeah. I will never forget that. It was so brilliant. I mean, he basically described, like, sin being uh, one of those apple turnover tarts, you know, like, like the little Debbie ones. I'm talking yeah, about yeah, yeah, yeah. You described it that way. It's so vivid and ridiculous. I don't understand the comparison, but I know what that is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know what that is. I know what the little Debbie is. I know what that apple tart little Debbie is. I know it's delicious. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess I'm saying sin is Just delicious. Like, yeah. um, I think, so, singes. Go back to that. Yeah. Um, That's our hashtag. hashtag. That's our hashtag tonight, singes. Um, I think probably also a big thing that... that fed into that is that funny. at that time they <laughs> thought that the semen was the seed and the woman was just like yeah, the, the vessel the that had like nothing yeah. so, so that would make sense well they messed up view that, of sexuality and the dirt right but that would make sense that if if original sin is passed through generationally that would inherently require that it's passed through the semen because the women yeah. they thought didn't Add anything mm. to right. it, it was a receptacle, right? It's just like the Gosh, soil that you plant the seed in, yeah. right? That's yeah, so, exactly. I, I have to just say, it would have sucked to be a woman back in that even Bible time and even up till then. Because yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, it still sucks to be a woman. As a woman, I can say it sucks to be a woman. Yeah, well, and I can't say it because I'm a male. But even reading it and like, well, yes, even now I'm sure it sucks. But even back then, when it was like. You're just like a, a semen receptacle, mm-hmm. so deal with it. What? Like, it's just, it, and, and I know this is like church history, but that's some of the stuff where I have to put some of these theological books, went like from Augustine, like, I, I don't, what's this big book, City of God? The Confession. The Confession and like Confession, City of God. Or, City of God yeah. I can't read it because like, I just, I don't like him. I just don't like him and like yeah, he just, some of his stuff was okay but I'm just like you're like someone who so just wants weird. to spoil your fun yeah. I don't mean like I want to go out and fuck everybody it's just he seems like anytime someone's having a good time he's like mm, excuse me I have some shit for <laughs> I will slap you um, but yeah original sin just always seemed tacked on like mm-hmm. I know because when it casts them out of the garden that just makes them leave paradise it shouldn't be something that is all of a sudden is so heavy that well, if you don't take care of that, you're going straight to hell. You know, that's and that's where the church has you by the short and curlies, you know, or the church is like, you know what? Yep, you this original sin right here, there's nothing getting this away from you except us. So if you don't believe in us and do what we want you to do, we got it. It's just a trap. Mm-hmm. And so, well, but how much of that was tied up in like the church and the state being so connected? Yep. And it's like. Okay, how is the state going to make money through the church? How is the how is the state going to have power through the church? How is the church going to have power through the state? And like, there's just for hundreds of years that whole time period, it, it was so. I would argue it's still interconnected now. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. yeah. And it's it's like look yeah. So the that churches is. have gotten um, so what is eighty two percent of evangelicals voted for Trump? Um, Doesn't surprise me. That's about one hundred and ten million Americans, almost a third of the country. Uh, and if if you know anything about Jesus, if you know anything about the Donald, um, like every <laughs> they're like a mirror every, images. Every breath that Donald yeah. takes is like is like spitting in Jesus' oh, eye. Yeah, you know, like like when he t- when he said when he was asked what's your favorite book, he said the Art of the Deal, and then he's like, but the Bible's a close second. And they're like, well, what's your favorite book? And he's like, I like all of it. 
And then they right. pushed and then him he, on. What he, he, said, made up. he said two Corinthians. Oh, yeah. Two Corinthians. Like, two Corinthians. it's the sequel. You know? But no, you know what I've heard people say? I said that to somebody that I knew who was a Trump supporter who was a Christian. And they were like, but that's what they call it in England. We're not in England. We're in America. He's the well, and running he's for the president either. Right. I'm like, <laughs> he's running for president. He's quick Googling Bible on his phone. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, no, uh, what's aid. the Bible? Two, two Corinthians. If I had like an earpiece in and yeah. his aide was like looking it up yeah. and, and reading it over the, the, the uh, intercom to Two Corinthians, yeah. sir. Uh, yeah, yeah. I have manly hands. I I have. You know what he meant? He meant the letter to the Corinthians. That's what he would have probably said. The letter to the Corinthians. To the Corinthians. (laughs) Now I get it. Well, were you going to bring something up too? Because I have something for something else. Yeah. Oh, do you want me to go? Um, I mean, I can. I can um, launch in. We've already kind of discussed. Two of the topics that I was going to talk about that were kind of the two big um, reasons. Yeah, the two big breaking points. One was the submissive nature of a woman to mm. a man. Um, that was a big one um, just because the relationships. I mean, I had only dated. Christian men, of course, because I was in evangelical culture, and it was, I mean, looking back now, like, some of the circumstances were just ridiculous. Like, why why was I not, like, fuck you, buddy, like, you know? And, uh, just to the point of just, like, dating a dick to the point of dating someone who assaulted me. Like, it's to the point of like, where's the line where it's like, I don't have to be submissive anymore? Mm-hmm. Because because we're both Christians, and, you know, the line blurs so much between, you know, well, I'm trying to be a good helper, and I'm trying to, mm-hmm. you know, it, it says in the Bible, I need to be, you know, I need to be in service right, of those serve. that I love. Mm-hmm. I need to serve. Yeah. I need to be the helper. I need to do this. And that that doesn't mean that they can take advantage of you mentally and physically. Right. Like, um, which has happened to me both mentally and physically Mm -hmm. being taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. So it's... You can only justify it for so long. Like, and I definitely reached a breaking point of like, oh my god, like this is so not healthy. And... You know, this is what, you know, I've been taught all these years, but it's, you know, I'm, it's incredibly depressing, incredibly, like, my self-esteem was in negative after, you know, all the stuff that I had endured mm-hmm. for the sake of being a servant or for the sake of, you know, being the helper. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you can't, you can't justify it. I mean, both the woman and the man have to justify it. If you're going to proclaim to be a Christian, like, if you're going to verbally abuse someone or physically abuse someone, I mean, it's both the man and the woman being like, you know, this is fine in the eyes of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, so something like that definitely 
had a huge, huge impact. Mm-hmm. Still has a huge impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just the fact that like every everything that I was taught growing up was like, well, here's the man's part of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Like, we're wild and free. And we can't be tamed. <laughs> and we're like a wild beast. And, you know, and yeah. And, you know, go out in nature and connect with the Lord. Like, grow a big beard. Grow a big beard. Like and, Moses. You know, and then the girls' books would always be like, Oh, yeah. Wild at heart. You know, yeah, wild at heart. That kind of shit. Be a manly man. And, be outside with nature. And then the, the like, Take what's yours? Gir- girly, like, God made, you know, Adam was first, and mm-hmm. then we took the rib from Adam, and <laughs> she's the, she helped Adam, and she did the, you know, and. I like that voice. Everything. <laughs> and she gave the apple to Adam, too. She gave the apple to Adam, Angela's so... Angela's Sunday school teacher. Yeah. So, you know, women done fucked it up for everyone. Right. <laughs> she too. And, um, so just that, like, ingrained in my... Like, even in Sunday school, like, you know... Yeah, marry a godly man and you'll, you know, be his... Basically, like, his assistant mm-hmm. in his, you know walk with the Lord right. and I'm like why can't you have your own walk like why can't I walk with the Lord yeah, why am I, I not my own person walk with yeah. you know it's like the man holding hands with Jesus and I'm like on the side like do you guys need anything like <laughs> water <laughs> you guys need beer no yes no food no and like it was so ingrained that you know I just withstood all this shit that happened to me because I was like well I'm the helper and this and uh, you know it's terribly, terribly destructive mm-hmm. to girls who grow mm-hmm. up in that. Like, just if a dude's a dick to you, like, well, he, he, he's wild and free, and, you know? And I'm, you know, have to be submissive because that's, you know, I was born a female and mm-hmm. that's what the that's Lord wants me lot. to do. That's my lot. Mm-hmm. I thought that shit all the time. Yeah. And that's so real, like, as someone who isn't particularly girly, like, I'm very always hung out with boys. I'm very androgynous. Like, I don't know. Like, I've never been like, paint my nails and put on the dress. <laughs> I love that song. I feel pretty. Oh, so pretty. And, um, like, that was always really frowned upon, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember the... Christian school that we were talking about because I had really short hair and facial piercings. Everyone just assumed I was a lesbian because I wasn't. I wasn't feminine. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's totally okay for girls not to be feminine. Like, it's totally okay for boys not to be hyper masculine. Like, and um, so that was always something. Like when I actually grew up and started standing up for myself and being like, no, that's not okay that you did that. Or what did you just say to me? Like, <laughs> no. You know, I don't care if you're a Christian and I'm still a Christian. That's incredibly offensive. Like, and just starting to realize that that's okay. And God's not going, not going like, oh, you're getting a little too yeah. independent. Yeah. Getting a little too independent for your own good. Like, <laughs> you know, and 
the more like I stood up for myself and the more that I felt comfortable with myself, it was like I, I just felt so much happier and lighter and you know, like I was I was doing the right thing and I was like I mean that can't be wrong. Like mm. what on earth? And um the other thing that you were talking about with the LGBTQ community that was a huge issue because my brother is gay. My brother and I have always been best friends ever since we were little. Like, we were the exception to the rule of, like, the siblings always fighting with each other. And we were always, we played together. We were best, best, best friends. And we're still best friends. And then him being so scared to tell me that he was gay, like, that immediately made me question, like... What on earth am I believing? Mm-hmm. I was the I was the last person in the family to know because he was terrified to tell me because he thought I was going to be like ah ew sick you know I, ew she just crossed her fingers yeah. and she he went he was across. like he was like crying to my mom saying I can't lose her I cannot lose her as a friend wow it's so heavy mm. and like I I still think about that and I tear up like oh my god. So that was a huge, huge thing. Like, when my brother came out to me, I was like, holy shit, I got a really question. Mm-hmm. And that made me delve into, like, actually examining the Bible and actually examining what I had believed for so many years, because I was like, eh, something ain't right. Like you were talking about before, like, with your mom... Mm. You know, being like, well, you know, how could that be wrong? And I'm like, here, here's my best friend in the whole world telling me that he's gay. I'm like, something's definitely wrong. And that was a whole spiral down. And I mean, that was the first thing that happened. And then after going through those relationships, it was just this, okay, this isn't right. And this isn't right. And... What I've been taught before, no, that's no, that's definitely not right. That led me into a shady situation, mm-hmm. and this and this and this, and um, just just the horrific, like feminine marketed Christianity. Mm-hmm. Like the dudes have the go out and be free and ride a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> Bang your chest and you know everyone gets a gong. <laughs> and is it like the girls' version, like <laughs> sit quietly alone <laughs> in, a, in a house? I love this character that you pray, pray for your husband. <laughs> it's like pray that he like, comes so home. That's so true. Right? That's so and true. it's like it sit, and like girls, like specifically. I mean, any kind of like teen Bible study, like. Mm-hmm. Like with the neon cover and like, <laughs> well, it's the Bible. Like, it glows um, in the dark. <laughs> Jesus's words glow in the dark. Extreme Bible, like, and, but like the it's very nineties, by the way. The but like the girl marketed mm. evangelicals was like the girl study Bible and the the girl. Christian literature, like, is all very... It's very pink and purple and pretty. Submissive, I think. Pink and purple and pray that you find your husband yeah, and... Per- the flowers so I never read that oh. stuff, so it never really that you do this. And I never like, read that stuff ever. Like, it's it was just never gross. something that was part of 
But I think And there was a guy oh sorry. One one last high horse and then I'll get off. Um, there (laughs) there was this author and I'm gonna name him by name because he's a dirty rat. Um, his name was Justin Lookadoo. <laughs> what? That's a, is that a real name? Dr. Is that a real name? Justin Lookadoo? Yeah. Um, and he wrote a book that I purchased called Are You Dateable? Whoa! It was written for women? For women. And he talked about one of the rules Bart. about being women is women need to shut up. No. Yep. How is this published? Yep. Yep. You can look it up. Google Are You Dateable by Justin Lookadoo. And I was so happy. I like thought about him maybe like a year ago. And I was like, what happened to that douchebag? And I Googled him and he ended up being arrested for being intoxicated in his motor vehicle. And he was like pulled over on the side of the road, like vomiting and having like a mental breakdown. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so, like, karma is a yeah. Karma is a is a mf is a cold bitch with a fortune strap on. Yes. Oh. Oh. Wow. Oh, that's from that's from a movie. Level, that's from Dexter. I think it's eighteen inch strap on. I think I put that up. Oh, that's okay. Um, it definitely goes funding right but there. Please, please, <laughs> if you're listening, Google Justin Lookadoo. Is Lookadoo spelled spelled the normal way? Spelled like you would think. <laughs> look, I do. Look. A D O O, and then it was letter R, letter U. Oh, no. so marketing oh. to R, the letter R, letter U. Oh. <laughs> I oh. Look it up. Look oh, it up. Look it up. Yep. And that's the oh, kind wow. of shit being marketed to girls. I just want and to jump out a window right now. Yeah, I just oh. been like, I just nope. threw up in my mouth. Yeah, I wish. There. I wish <laughs> I still had it. I think I actually like. Please Either burned it. it or threw it, it in a dumpster. Like a <laughs> yeah, right. It was like the book in the, the Babadook. <laughs> it came back and it's like, I can never. The more you resist, the more I'll be. Now we should shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please do. Please don't. don't Why are you so bad now? Wow. Well, yeah. So please look up that book and see the kind of hog shit that girls were being fed. Um, but yeah, those were a big two. The, the feminine submission and then the uh, LGBTQ stuff. This is really good. I, I think. I was just going to say, I have one more thing to say, but if you wanted to go first, oh, you go first. Okay. So. Thank you. I cannot read the lips, apparently. Well, no, I think I agree with everything Angela was saying, and I wanted to just piggyback off of, like, in my tradition that I was brought up in. And my wife, because we talked about it since I grew up as a boy, growing up in this, some of the guys Straight grew up male. as a girl. <laughs> yes, I am. Um, it's kind of dealing with that sexism and that repression as a woman, because it was like, I feel like in our culture now, with your, your, you can be gender fluid, you can, and that's acceptable, not not fully across society, yeah. but in most areas, you know, it's you can say right I'm androgynous. I don't, you know, I don't. I'm not overtly, you know, I don't have to go into the whole specifics. We understand that. But signpost, if you are gender fluid and need to find a safe place, there are places out there you can find that are safe spaces. Exactly. Just keep looking. Exactly. Yes. We'll find them. But I remember... We're definitely pro-gender fluid. Mm-hmm. I remember growing up in that tradition, and I hate, like, 
I love Minnesota and I, I like being outside, but I'm not like a, a like a bros bro who's like, let's go camping, let's go fishing, let's like let's do archery and let's let's, let's be that's wild. That's funny because that's not what I think of when I think of a bro bro. I think of like a bros bro Drink being beer. like, let's play beer pong let's and go bang some girls. Whatever. Sure, sure, well, you're, you're whatever. not you're no Let's go read man. Max. Okay, yeah, I'm not a brawny man. I'm not. You're no lumberjack. Like like the manly person that like the church. Let's go to Charleston Well, kind of like that John Eldridge. I remember like I never read it because my dad's like this is a bunch. You know, I actually really want to. Get a copy. I'm sure I can find it at a thrift store. Yeah, well, I want to read Wild at Heart. Well, because my dad, I want to read it in the report bag. My dad had my dad had said <laughs> that it was, he stopped reading it because he was at like a a church Bible study for for like couples and they they were all reading it. My dad even and my dad was a very I I would say he had like certain gender roles like men should do this, women should do this. My dad was like, this is garbage. He's like, you're saying that women can only do this, this, and this. Anyway, but going back. My wife and I were just talking about this the other day, and I was like, they wanted the guys to be, like, outside, like, learn how to start a fire, fish, so you can... Like, we were, like, out in the prairie or, like, living in the wild, mm-hmm. and then, like, the women had to be, like... It was like, now respect your husbands or respect, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it was like... Because the guys' names were, were, like, trailblazers, royal rangers, buckaroos, and the women's were all flowers. It was, like, prims and roses. Pussy and, willows. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or any of those other ones. slutty yeah, yeah, but, like, but you think about it even then, like, when you're a kid, you're like, oh, that's cute. But then as you're older, you're like, that's it's so messed up. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's so sexist, mm-hmm. and it's saying, well, men can only do this, and it's only it's normal for men to be like, I want to go out and make a fire and do this and hunt. But, but, yeah, but then if a woman yeah. wants to do it, it's like, mm, that's not her place. That's not her role. And I don't think those people who started it out thought about it like that, but that's where it can go, you know? And th- when you were talking about that, it just jumped in my head, and I was like, it's just no, it's show- really it just point. shows you how sexist... Mm-hmm. And repressive it was even back then, yeah. and you got to break out of that. We, mm-hmm. we as a culture, as a church, or mm-hmm. yeah. whatever. I think a couple things that, that reminds me of is one, what we were talking about earlier about having to meet someone from uh, a minority group or a discriminated against group in order to understand it. And it's like where how we're saying it doesn't like how how you were saying Eric, that it doesn't dis, it doesn't uh, get them off the hook, but it's like well. You know, I understand that they're culturally kind of indoctrinated or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that that made me think of is um, I used to work as I used to work with kids a lot, and like as a preschool teacher. And um, actually, here in Minnesota for a brief time, I was a preschool teacher. And um, like whenever the kids, it, I think we're right that society is moving in a positive direction as far as like gender roles and and gender fluidity and sexual identities and stuff like that. But like. Um, we'd like the kids would be coloring or something, and a boy would ask for like a, a pink marker, and I'd be like, "Sure," and I'd give it to him. And then the other kids would be like, make fun of like, "You're a boy. You're not supposed to color pink." And I would just immediately just snap and be like, "There is nothing." I was, I was like, you know, boys and colors are not boys or girls, guys. Like I would tell the kids, you know, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't even like that was just my knee jerk response. And one time I was taking the kids outside and it was snowing, and I put a scarf on. They're like, "You're a boy. You can't wear a scarf." And I was like, "What are you guys talking? Who told you this? You know, like, who told Not you this? Scarves? Are scarves? <laughs> it, was blue, it was a balloon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's funny because our friend has a, a really awesome kid um, who they let him just pick out whatever clothes he was going to want to wear for school. So they took him out and he went and put a dress on. Mm-hmm. And um, 
his father was like, well, if you want to wear it, that's fine. He's like, but hey, Jonas, that's a dress. And he goes, no, it's not, Dad. It's a tunic. Because <laughs> he was really into knights and arms and armor. So to that's him, awesome. it was like, this is what kings wear. I want to be a king. This is what you wear. And, that's and badass. And so his dad, so missing badass. the beat, like to Mark Van Sien's credit, was just like, you know what? If my son wants to wear a fucking tunic, mm-hmm. he can wear a fucking tunic. Yeah. You know, like, how awesome mm-hmm. is that? And he wasn't just like, you know, he was just like saying, you know, generally saying, you know, other kids might, you know, think that's good, mm-hmm. but yeah. I don't. Right. So if you want to wear that, you, you can wear that. <laughs> yeah. But Jonas is such a little badass. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. He is pretty badass. Shout out Jonas. <laughs> but uh, the only other thing I wanted to say was one other thing that kind of, I don't know if it kickstarted my deconstruction or not, but getting higher, higher, higher in education and being friends with doctors of theology and going to theological conferences and reading papers and getting to know folks and seeing what they're doing and being like, wait, you know the same things I do about how the Bible is brought together. Don't you have the same questions? And they'd be like, of course we do! But we're professors. We can't say say anything. Or we're pastors, because we can't say anything. Or we're in positions that I said what I really thought. I would lose my livelihood, and it would jeopardize my family's security. And so, I I mean, that seems super cowardly in a certain way to me, but at the same time, everyone feels trapped. Mm -hmm. So, like... That, I think that's really common too. Yeah, and it, and it's that's sad about our society because you sh- we should be able to have our own thoughts and opinions about things without repercussions. So if you don't believe in the resurrection, because I mean, Peter Rollins, I think is atheist, but every time someone tries to mark him down, he says, "No, I deny the resurrection." Every time I don't do something, yeah, I've, like I've seen that speech, man. Yeah, and, it, and it's great, but he also says, "Like I affirm the resurrection every, every time, time I think the hungry, yes. or, you know." Um, but then also, like, every time I speak for those without a voice. Yep. Yeah. 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 Who's this? Peter Rollins. Oh, well, Peter Rollins. Um, okay, I missed but, the name. Sorry. But that's okay. Uh, but I think the more time you spend with academics who, like, they're, they wanted to get, for the most part, they didn't get it for money. You know, they went into it because they really loved the topic or they loved, you know, Christianity or they loved whatever they were in. Um, but then all, all of a sudden, once you're in it, especially now, it's, if it's tied to your well-being with the amount of student debt it costs mm. to be a doctor in this country these days, basically you're like, I need to shut the fuck up or I'm going to be, I'm going to go bankrupt. Yeah. yeah. Just like, it's your money, it, it just, it sucks because education should be free. Mm-hmm. And learning these things shouldn't come with that heavy burden of, well, if I actually say what I mean, I'm, I'm going to lose so much. Um, so that frustrates me because once you st- you know, start to learn about how the Bible was put together, how the canonization happened, you're like, whoa, that seems really dubious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and you're like, that doesn't seem God- godly at all. It seems really arbitrary, too. And they're all men. Mm-hmm. And by men, I mean people with penises, you know, specifically. Like, putting this together with a government in charge of it saying, we're going to make the most inclusive, you know, nice and green ever. These are the books we're going to have, and these and no others. And it basically caused, you know, a huge rift in Christianity. The Eastern Orthodox Church went, you know, we're going to go here and do our thing. Um, and, I mean, so many other Christians were murdered um, because they were heretics. You know? it's, and when you start to learn that, you're like, wow, that's shitty. Or you, even when you get up to, you know, people, I know people who are doctors who are just dipshits. 
who I'm like, you don't have the common sense of my my high school friend who I wouldn't let watch my dog, and somehow you have a PhD, <laughs> you know? Like I I know folks who and I know folks who you know just, they went to schools where they could just mail it in. Mm-hmm. Like we know a doctor uh, who taught us both Old Testament who has gone off the deep end and now is. Like, anytime you see something on Facebook that someone's posted that's... He's very, very... I wouldn't say pro-Trump, pro-nationalist, but he went... I mean, he basically really does blame immigrants for all of our problems. Like, which, to me, is, in, is a country built of immigrants. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like, it's insane. But he's, he's gone on some rants that... So he's a PhD doctor. Like, he went to a seminary, got a real doctor, Asbury Theological Seminary. Won't no, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I know you do. But he taught us... The Old Testament, and he was a very fair, normal guy when he taught us. And I don't know what happened to him, but like now he—I don't—I don't know. Maybe he had a mental break, but he still every time he says something, he puts doctor behind it. So whatever insane fucking thing comes out of his skull, he's like, "Well, a doctor said this." So some other guy who's never been to school, dropped out of school, or whatever, is like, "Well, if a doctor says this, mm-hmm. I didn't mean to do a southern accent there. That was mean." <laughs> <I'm very offended. laughs> but when he's like, "Well, a doctor mm-hmm. said this," so he knows what the fuck he's talking about, and that's so dangerous. You know, like I think we we view doctors the way people viewed doctors in the 1800s. Like now they're doctors all over the place and people who have specialties I mean we, we know a doctor I'm using dick finger air quotes um, who there's no way she's a real doctor she can, she can barely spell oh, I met her today right? yeah you edited it um, we won't say names no because we don't want to get sued <laughs> do you want to get sued Slander is spoken. Slander, yeah. So, so I have I have a doctorate. So, can I just put doctor? Yeah. Like, yeah. And then, it, am I full of shit if I say I'm a doctor? <laughs> well, or do I, think I have some yourself way? in the third person all the time, and, and like you're quoting yourself? It's, it's there's only one. Head. There's only one friend that I have that calls me. Like I went over to their house for a cookout the other day. And anytime he introduces me, he's like, "Oh, it's my friend, Doctor Brian." And, like, <laughs> and I think he does it more tongue in cheek to be like, "Ha ha!" Uh-huh. But Do people I, go, "Oh, hey, I've got this rash." But yeah. then, yeah, and I'm like, "Not that kind." I'm of not that, that kind of doctor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do want to say it, it would be amazing if I'm on a flight someday and there's like, "Is there a doctor on the plane?" Be like, "Yes, I'm a doctor." And they'd be like, "What is this?" Be like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I'm not that kind of doctor." Do you have to rights. specify what kind of doctor because yeah. there's like a bazillion doctors. But yeah, and it's like, well, I can I can save your eternal soul. Is that okay? Yeah. Well, no, but I think what Josh is saying too, at least on that little tangent, is that you can be a doctor and it doesn't mean shit anymore. I mean, yes, medically and stuff like that is completely different. But yeah, well, I'm not discounting academia. Right. No, and academia is it. It takes a lot to be in academia, like any of us at the table who have been in school and or even past college. Well, listen, listen to experts that are real experts, right? Not just some dude who bought his doctorate online. You know? Well, but I think also a lot of people who, like I listen to, that have doctorates won't be like, "Oh, I have a doctorate." Like for instance, Peter Rollins, he hates it when you call him Doctor Peter Rollins. He's just like, don't call me that. It's like, why? Well, you have it. You have a PhD. So, like, it doesn't matter that I have a PhD. I did that because I love education. You should get a degree because you love education, and, and you should learn it because people love education. Right. Anyway, <laughs> I think to um, 
to add a bit of a different perspective on everything. Ooh. Ooh. Throw a wrench. Um, not a wrench, just a... Spicy <laughs> maple. Sorry, I had to say that. Sorry. I think that in my... Looking back on my kind of personal history in the church, I haven't really had any, like, explosive things that have maybe, like, totally questioned me, like, I don't... I think this is wrong or whatever. I've just had, a like ongoing multiple like a series of things that make me reevaluate how to interpret scripture or what this means and it's like I remember early on like I was always super into science and stuff as a kid and so like dinosaurs evolution it's like okay well and even as like a kid I was like well clearly Genesis is not a literal science textbook (gasps) It's very mature again. And so it wasn't it wasn't like, oh, this makes me question all of Christianity. It's like, okay, well and at the time I didn't have the like these words for it, but it's like this is a totally different literary style at a different time mm-hmm. in history for a different people, for a different place, for a different audience written by a different author. And it's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. there's Stop questioning. There's so <laughs> many layers of context that it's I would say impossible as a twenty first century American to read the Bible as it was intended. Mm-hmm. The yeah, best yeah, we can do yeah, is yeah. get yeah. close. Yeah. Because I didn't grow up as a ancient Near Eastern. Yeah. And so That's really good. I'm, not gonna, me. I'm not going to understand are there idioms in there that I'm seeing yeah. as, as just mm-hmm. yep, that's words? Really good, yeah. Are there like yeah. slang? Mm-hmm. Is there's, there things there that cultural people references? Are, yes, references. Like mm-hmm. even all the way back to Genesis, yes. there's references to the Epic of Gilgamesh or Babylonian mm-hmm. or the Assyrian yeah. story, like these yeah. cultures. And the the people in the Bible didn't just spring up out of the ground. Right. Yeah. Like they came they from other cultures. They came from other areas. I mean, there's there's all <laughs> there's this zombies. stuff. And so for me, now, I feel like everything, every new thing, I'm like, oh, well, this, you know, how does this fit? Or, like, something new that I, because I don't know the Bible cover to cover. It's like, I'll read something or or hear something, and it's like, okay, well, this seems to me to not make sense. But instead of just throwing everything out, what could it mean? And I think probably the biggest thing... Like, if I had to say this is the thing that really has been or was a big kind of struggle for me was violence in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Same. And. Mm-hmm. That's such a good point. That's really good. The biggest thing that has helped me to make sense of it is to say, okay, these were real people, real humans at a time dealing with things. So like the flood story or the creation story or. Uh, joining the whale. Creep, big fish. Yeah. <laughs> big fish, yeah. I think these were stories, oral traditions, that groups of people had mm. to make sense of their world. Yeah, that's deep, dude. Yeah. That's what you're yeah. And so they, they were doing the best they could, and they were making sense the best they could of their world and their experiences, and that's what they did. Mm-hmm. And I think God worked with that and accommodated that and was like, okay, I want to be in relation with you. I'm going to let you work through this. I'm going to let you make sense. I'm going to kind of stay with you. And I think 
Jesus is kind of like the like say we had our, like all of human history up to Jesus was like seen with not real great vision and Jesus was like our LASIK and so we can use Jesus to look back and say okay Jesus is our example of God love your neighbor do good to those who persecute you that's in stark contrast to what the Old Testament authors are saying God told them. So I'm going to say God didn't tell them to go like kill all the babies and rape all the women and do that. But if that's what they, you know, if they thought God was on their side, at that time culturally having your cult, your country, your people's God on your side meant that's what you do. Mm-hmm. And so that's what they did. And so I think... And then that is, like, a little possible, like, polishing to try to see better. But, like, there's all these layers of context that we can't get through. Mm-hmm. And so I think giving... Acknowledging that and saying, I'm never going to understand it, but if I can try to make it make sense as best I can, because ultimately I believe that there is a being mm-hmm. that created everything and I believe that there is like the greatest thing that connects everything together is love and I think that Jesus shows that and so I think I believe in Jesus I think I believe that he was telling the truth with things that he said that being said there's all these layers of context and stuff and so at the end of the day I trust my own beliefs that at the core I think there is what people call God and that can get really messy. I think there's a loving being that's greater than myself that exists in the universe. And the Christian Bible, as flawed as it is, makes the most sense of it. It's good, man. It's good take. It's good. I like it a lot. Should we that was a, I think that's a good ending point. Oh yeah. Uh, so hard to <laughs> do you want to do uh, recommendations? Yes. Who wants to start us out with recommendations? I I can go. I'm surprised I haven't recommended this yet. I usually listen to past episodes to see if I had. And uh, <laughs> I had not. Um, it's one of my favorite TV shows of all time. I always go back and watch it because it's unbelievably good. Um, it was a Showtime show called Penny Dreadful. Um, and it stars Eva Green, Josh Hartnett, Minnesota, born and raised Josh Hartnett, yay. St. Paul, um, what? And it's like this kind of real-life storytelling about the Universal Monsters. Like, there is a uh, Dorian Gray... There's a Dr. Frankenstein, Hmm. there's a werewolf, there's, like, a medium kind of witch character, um, there's, like, a, uh, oh, who's the guy that, that hunts the monsters? Ben Helsing. Ben Helsing, yes, yes. I'll second second this recommendation. Yeah. Specifically, if you watch the show, um... The performance by English actor Rory Kinnear Mm. is unbelievable. You may know Rory Kinnear 
from the infamous Black Mirror episode yep. where he fucks a pig. Oh, yes. Um, oh, he yeah. is the prime minister who has sex with a pig. In the first episode of Black Mirror. In the first episode yeah. of Black Mirror. Which he plays... Ballsiest pilot episode. Oh, my God. Ballsiest. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, and he plays Frankenstein's monster. And his performance is unbelievable. Very cool. So good. There's a part. It's on Netflix, and it still gives me chills. He talks about he has Doctor Frankenstein basically like make him a mate, and then he talks about like going away with the mate, um, and then coming back. And he's like, "If you get in my way," and in his beautiful like intense British accent, he's like, um, "And I will come back, Doctor." And I will show you the monster you have made. Ooh. Like, and it's so good Chilling. and so intense. And just his storyline throughout, like, he's befriended by people. He's be- betrayed by people. And it is, I, I'm like a huge Frankenstein nerd anyway. Um, but the way the monster's portrayed and the way Rory Kinnear portrays him and his story arc is so beautiful and so unbelievably good so I mean the whole cast is amazing the whole show is unbelievably awesome um, it unfortunately got cancelled after season 3 <laughs> tier so there's only 3 seasons of it and it is on Netflix um, so I would highly recommend watching it and pl- pay close attention to Rory Kinnear's performance as the monster because he if you liked him in Black Mirror, his performance is going to blow your head off. Nice. Like, it's so, so good. So, that's not right. Nice. That's ridiculous. Uh, I'll go. A um, <laughs> couple recommendations. Um, I've been reading this, I guess it's semi-autobiographical. Um, I've always wanted to read some of his stuff, but it's called the book's called Naked by David Sedaris. Oh, yeah. um, is it a picture book? No. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, That's your idea. <laughs> um, it's actually he's. I didn't know this, but he's the brother of the comedian and actress Amy Sedaris. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, <laughs> whose yeah. show is hysterical? Uh, he's the older brother. He's the, yeah, he's the older she's brother. She's but awesome. it's see, this and. I'm recommending it, but it's quite an old book. It's one of his first ones. Well, like I think that's more popular. Didn't uh, you write Me Talk Pretty One Day too? Yeah, yeah Me yeah. Talk Pretty One Day. And, um, and let's talk about diabetes and owls. Yeah, I think is another one. Um, this one is more about like his childhood specifically, um, and it's very like just like his story. It's like every chapter is like a story of his life that he dealt with, whether just him personally or him and his family. Like, there's one chapter I just read called The Christmas Whore, Ooh. where, like, his sister is friends with a co-worker who literally, like, moonlights as, like, a whore and brought her to the house. And, like, the family's like, that's cool, this is a whore, let's just feed her food and what a... But just the way he <laughs> talked whore. about... Please stop saying we're a whore. <laughs> yeah, but no, it was just, like, I'm reading it, and at first I, like, it just, I couldn't get into it. But then after, like, the first couple of chapters, I'm like, I can't put it down. I'm like, it's so good. It's such a page-turner. So I really recommend that. And then also I want to recommend Sean DeRegger's uh, podcast. Well, he's the one that's let us be on Screaming Pod, so shout-out to that. Mm-hmm. But he has a podcast called The Armchair Philosophers, one of many, 
Um, highly recommend it. Um, he did a shout out for us, Sacred Collective, so I'm going to do a shout out for him. But his last um, episode, it's kind of like a two parter, but this is a second parter where it's uh, coming out stories. Where and oh, this yeah, time, and this time, um, the first time he had a whole bunch of men talk about their stories, but he felt like there was a lack of female perspective. So he had a number of females talk right in you know read their story and i was at work and i was almost in tears because it was so just so beautiful like their story that they can come out and say that and it, it sucks with the struggles that they had some of them aren't fully out um but i would highly i would listen to all his episodes because they're really good but this last one or his series on um coming out this coming out stories were really really good so Armchair philosopher, listen to it. Okay, I've got two. Um, One is a TV show called The Expanse. (coughs) The what? The Expanse. Okay. Phenomenal. Um, It was on Sci Fi for three seasons. It got canceled. It just got picked up. And then it just got picked up by Amazon. Like within a week after it got canceled. Oh, wow. Super awesome. That's a cool thing about streaming services when they do that. Yeah. Someone pick up Penny Dreadful. (laughs) So the expanse is in the future. There's a Earth government, a Martian government, and an asteroid belt that like humanity has colonized. Mm. Mars is like a really military government. Earth is more diplomatic. And the first episode starts off with... um, this like ice hauling ship that's from the asteroid belt to provide ice to provide water to Mars mm. and Earth. I'm liking this. It gets blown up. Earth thinks Mars did it. Mars thinks Earth did it. Oh. But there's actually this whole other like really crazy storyline plot that's like Don't spoil it, I wanna watch this. Yeah, it's <laughs> so good. And so I've heard people describe it as like Battlestar Galactica meets Game of Thrones. Oh. Kind of like Huge production value, really great acting, super good writing. So like, many shows I want to watch right now. I know, right? If you if you like sci-fi or like stories where there's like intrigue and political stuff, like totally, totally good. Um, is it on Amazon? Um, I don't know if the first. I would just. I would. I think the first think. three seasons are on um, uh, Netflix. Okay, it's called The Expanse. The yeah. Expanse. Okay. If Amazon picked it up, I would hope that they'd put. Yeah, other seasons mm-hmm. eventually. Anyway, yeah. Um, my other recommendation is a podcast called Ologies, and it's this woman who interviews a different ologist mm. every episode. Mm. So she's had like biologists and like tree scientists and bugs and birds and death and clocks and fear, like all these different ologies. Awesome, awesome, wow. super good. Um, one thing that I think is really interesting about her, like, podcast format is instead of, like... Because there's tons of just, like, interview guest-type format where it's just, like, the whole conversation. She, like... Um, edits in all these, like, little asides. So it's, like, if the guest, like, says something or, like, refers to something that most listeners might, like, might not understand, she'll, like, pause... Oh. And, like, she'll have this whole explanation. She'll, like, go off on these little tangents and stuff in post-production, which is really cool. Mm. It breaks it up and makes it a lot more mm. interesting and easy to follow. Informative, too, I think. It's very listenable. Yeah. Yeah, I listened to the episode in a and I was like, oh, yeah. Like, she's 
She's really smart, but she's not like condescending. Like no, she's mm-hmm. super listenable. It's like, really, really. I awesome. would love to be her best friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And didn't that fear episode like change your life? Oh yeah, it was incredible. I would say start with that episode. Yeah. Start with the episode on fear. It was so interesting. Yeah. And like days and weeks afterwards, I was still thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Just some good recommendations. Anybody else? Oh, yeah. Josh, Kaylee, Kaylee. Yeah. Um, I shout out to all Vulcans. Live <laughs> <laughs> long and prosper. You're plugging Vulcans <laughs> as a race. Hey, don't be that Caleb, do you have anything? Yeah. Um, kind of showing how much of a loser I am because my recommendations are all Netflix shows. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's this show on Netflix called Three Percent, mm-hmm. and it's in. Uh, it's set in Brazil, so it's in Brazilian Portuguese. Uh, and but if you don't mind subtitles, like it is such a good show. My my work buddy who recommended it to me compared it to Saw, but it's not like as uh, like jump scare, you know, as, as as like horror oriented as Saw, but like the suspense and the I don't want to give give anything away really, but it's just people like solving puzzles in a time limit, and it's like and it's a life or death sort of thing. But like it's not. Super scary. I don't know. It's really good. Not, it's, it's good not, I think confusion. I've seen a trailer. Doesn't the three percent refer to like like three percent of the population? There's a pop overpopulation yes. or something. Yes. So it's like it's almost like the one percent in America sort of thing. Almost. It's a class divide thing. Kind oh, of. okay. It's um, not like it's not like torture porn. Like no, some of those other stuff. Not like my other recommendations. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's it's actually um, it's not like uh. Ex- Exploitation genre at all, or anything like that. It's really, it's really good. It's very well written and well cast and well acted and directed, and, uh, and it's really complex too. Like you get to know all these characters. It's, it has a really wide cast of characters that you get to know really well. But, uh, and then I'll also plug um, Tig Nataro. Are you guys familiar with the comic? Yes, she has I a new. Love oh Tig. my god! Oh my god! She was in a podcast that I used to listen to religiously called Professor Blastoff. Hmm. It was her, it was Tig, and it was two other male comedians, and they talked about the, it was David Huntsberger, um, Kyle, shit. Kyle, Kyle somebody. Shit. That's a really good name. <laughs> shit. Um, Kyle, Kyle. Yeah, you're making up all these last names. No, <laughs> it was David, Kyle, and Tig, and it, they were in a podcast called Professor Blastoff, and they would have like someone who was an expert in something, usually something scientific, <laughs> and they would come on and they would talk about it. And like these three comedians, like one of the funniest episodes ever, they had. A comedian who had studied martial arts, and they were talking about the topic of the day was like samurai. Okay. And oh my gosh, I've listened to that episode so much. Like it's so funny, but it's also really informative. Nice. So cool. yeah, Tig's amazing. Yeah, she has a new uh, stand-up special on Netflix though. It's called Happy to Be Here, and um, if you know anything about her story, like she survived cancer. Like when she got diagnosed with cancer that night, she went on stage as a stand-up and talked about it. And, like, her first special is mostly about that, and this new one is about, like, she recently got married, uh, you know, she's, she's, uh, she's a lesbian, uh, but, and it's just, like, so, it's just such a cool perspective to hear from, because she, and they, her and her partner, 
uh, recently adopted like two kids, and it's about her home life. And stuff. But I, I literally, I was laughing so hard that I was crying, and it, multiple times I would pause. Pause it so I can keep laughing. Rewind it. Rewatch the same joke. Laugh my ass off. Rewind yeah, it. Rewatch yeah. the same joke again. I She's love just meetings so do that. Hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't watch a lot of stand-up specials because a lot of times I just lose interest. But yeah, this was just and. Have to watch Oh my god, it's so, so good. What was her name again? Tig Nataro. T I G. N A T O. I don't know. Uh, and uh, oh yeah, just real quick, she also has a show called One Mississippi. Which is about her and her family. Her, her family is like real conservative and stuff, and just like her family relationships. But she just makes it hilarious, and it's really dramatic. And it's, I just love her. So I her can't. Her show yeah, just got amazing. canceled. Which show? What? Her show, Mississippi, did? just got canceled. Oh, did it really? That's sad. Boo. She's on my list to watch, though. I have so many comedians. Yeah. We watched Ali Wong the other night. Oh, and yeah. That was Freaking hilarious. Yeah, I just watched Ali Wong too, actually. Oh, it was so good. It was Baby Cobra, and then. Hard Knock Wife. Hard Knock Wife, yeah. I literally. Yeah, it was pretty funny. She's Kayleen recommended it. She's a little bit, you know. Well, comedians are vulgar, they have to be. Yeah. I've never pissed myself. I almost literally tinkled myself, and I was fine with it. Because she's on both of her specials. She's pregnant. She's pregnant. Yeah, and that's kind of. But her whole second one is like. Is about the whole birth and like what it does to a woman, mm-hmm. and like I I laughed because it's like everything she was saying I saw my wife go through, and not laughing because it's like haha it was funny, but laughing because I'm like that is everything she is saying yeah. is one hundred percent true, but she's being hilarious about mm-hmm. it, and like Kayleen was laughing, Amanda was laughing, it was fun times. But I also woke up Ali Wong. Hard Knock Wife is her second one, and her other one was Baby Cobra. Both hilarious. It's really scaring me. I have a cat paw on my cheek. That frightened me. Are we good? Have yeah, we got everything? Good. Yeah, we're good. Let's call it a, call it a night. Call it a night. Bye, guys. A post-Christian production.